Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks from Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know, I had a little bit of a health issue lately and I lost a lot of weight, almost like 60 pounds. Now, some of that was on purpose. Some of that was from the hospital stay, uh, but I had to get some new clothes. And so guess where I'm going? That's right. I'm going to Leon Tailoring because Larry, Norm, Kim and Judy, they've taken my measurements for years and the measurements have dropped a little bit. And so they'll take care of me just like they'll take care of you. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. Don't tell me you lost weight. They'll be able to tell if you have or not. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, lots of stuff going on in the medical universe these days. Doctors, insurance, hospital costs, and the whole nine yards. But we don't normally talk about a hospital situation from a, from a physician perspective, but today we are. Uh, Join us in studio is our good friend John Ruckelshaus. John is the executive director of the State Medical Society, former state center as well. So, John, my friend, how's everything going? Abdul, it's great. Thank you very much for having us here. Good to have you here. The last time I had you here, we talked about your uncle. We did. <laughs> we did. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be watching that series this weekend, The Plumbers. Yes. Uh, by the way, uh, just so folks know, uh, John's uncle uh, was one of the attorneys uh, involved in the Watergate situation. Uh, he was at the Justice Department at the time. It was part of the Saturday Night Massacre, all the firings, everything, like 50 years ago. So That is correct. That uh, brings back a lot of memories. Well, well let's talk about the, the medical universe. How is, how is the medical universe treating doctors in Indiana these days? Overall, very well. But it's a challenging environment, as you know, with healthcare, not only in the state of Indiana, but uh, across the nation. Uh, right now, uh, you've seen probably this last legislative session. Healthcare was one of the main drivers of this last legislative session. There were several tracks we were going down. One obviously was focusing on healthcare cost, and the other one is focusing on healthcare in general. The very low metrics that the state of Indiana has with respect to the health of Hoosiers. So, what? Here's the question: Why does healthcare cost so much? Well, there's many, many factors. Now, stop and think about it. First and foremost, in the aggregate or across the nation, it's about 20% of the gross domestic product, which means, as you know, Abdul, having been there a, a, a patient not long <laughs> ago, 20 cents of every dollar is spent on health care in the United States. Indiana is no different. Obviously, the RAND studies that came out, RAND 1 all the way through RAND 5, concluded that Indiana had one of the highest hospital costs in the United States, in addition to one of the lowest physician reimbursement uh, in the United States. So, Here's what here's what I've never been able to figure out about the about the healthcare industry. I understand that if I and I had this conversation with Brian Tabor of the Hospital Association as well. It's like, hey, I can go to my mechanic. Like, hey, my car is acting weird. He can pretty much tell me pretty much what's going on. Give me a, give me a fair estimate. When my wife broke her wrist because she was in a car accident, no one could tell me how much it was going to cost. Like, there's no other complications. Just a, just a, here's a wrist. Here's a broken wrist. Here's how you fix it. But nobody could tell me how much it was going to cost. That's exactly right. Now, we're going to go back to the days when I was in the state Senate. We actually passed some transparency legislation that good faith estimating should be a part of this process. But think about it. Most physicians are trained to take care of you. That's their first primary job. Secondly, not necessarily with business, right? Not necessarily good with costs. But this is, I think, what the legislature was really zeroing in on in a lot of legislation, House Bill 1004-1004, for example, was all about we've seen a massive consolidation of physicians who now work for hospitals. And so now it was sort of that vertical integration by them. So in other words, you were coming in and you had a problem with your knee. And they said, they did the diagnosis, but I need to run tests. So go down to the hallway, use our MRI, use our outpatient services, use our labs. You're right there. You're not thinking about it as a patient because you're already captured. You have that personal trust relationship with your physician, but you're not in a position to shop. And you should be. Again, back to that cost question that you laid out at the very beginning. If you had and you were armed and if you had 
independent physicians, physicians that weren't tethered to a hospital, they could maybe give you a litany. Hey, go down to Joe's MRIs, which is $300 versus here at the hospital, 3000 It's funny you bring that up because I was in the hospital just getting some tests done after you know high blood pressure and everything else. And so they want to take a look at my kidney. So the, the kidney physician was like, hey, do this test, this test, this. Like, like, I'm sure you're doing this for the right reason, but it's just a lot of tests for a kidney. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. No, that's exactly right. Well, I'm doing when they test me. It's usually brain waves, but that's <laughs> that's usually another test altogether. But again, that goes to the heart of what I'm talking about. When you've had this massive integration and verticalization and consolidation of services, and you've had a massive consolidation of hospitals, uh, not only across the country but here, especially in Indiana. Our guest in the program today is John Ruckelshaus. John's with the State Medical Society. He's their uh, chief executive director. So we're talking about health care and hospital costs here in the state of Indiana. Uh, it's interesting you talk about uh, consolidation, because I remember when I came here to Indiana in 2004, there were a lot more hospitals and hospital groups than there are today. What happened? Absolutely. Well, actually, I saw this again back when I was in the Senate. We had, if you look around the state, so hospitals have done a lot of consolidation. A lot of it is business related reimbursements. Hospitals, to be fair, our good friend Brian Tabor, his pay or his not his patients, but his clients and his membership is under a lot of pressure because of reimbursements by the federal government, which continues to be more and more of the payer of healthcare costs versus private insurance. So you've had that pressure. So they've been closing a lot of the rural hospitals, a lot of even further consolidation into the urban or suburban areas. So as a matter of fact, I always joke, if you drive north on Meridian Street here in Indianapolis, you actually have more hospitals than you do car dealers. And that's because of that highest concentration. This is by no accident. They're going to the more expensive rooftops, which is the private insurance patients, which pay the most. And because it's funny you bring up uh, the whole thing about uh Reimbursement rates because I remember uh, being at a, I think I think you were there too at uh, the the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute uh, with Chris Johnson saw about the budget and uh, basically how Medicaid is just eating away the state's budget that pretty soon it's on track to become the highest percentage of the state's budget costs even over education. Abdul, I'm so glad you brought that up because right now the General Assembly is looking at a lot of issues and you could argue whether those issues are pertinent and relevant to what's going on to every Hoosier in currently. But I will say this, without a doubt, Medicaid costs, health care costs in Indiana should be top of the mind, not only to this legislative body, but future legislative bodies and in particular, the next governor. What you and I saw was an explosion of Medicaid. So let's think cost to the state of Indiana. So I left the state Senate in 2020. Of a roughly $21 billion budget then, Medicaid costs were about $2 billion. As you and I both saw the projections with this last budget, by the end of 2025, it's projected to be $4 billion dollars. Four. That's double. And I've only been out of the Senate for less than four years. At these projection rates, we've got some serious explaining to do, Lucy. And also the other thing, too, I noticed, Bob, was I want to say it used to be like one and like maybe like four or five births in Indiana was on Medicaid. Now it's almost like one and two. Absolutely. So, again, this is something that Hoosiers, again, I would implore the next General Assembly, the next governor, whoever that person is, that this should be job number one, is to really get our arms around this. Another thing that's very troubling from a budgetary standpoint is when I was in the General Assembly, Indiana was always paying as a proportion of its budget between 50 to 52 percent K through 12 spending. If you notice this last budget, 
because of Medicaid costs, 48%. So we're taking away from teachers now. We're going to be taking away from economic development. These are major issues. So why are healthcare costs, I mean, obviously I can see the the consolidation being part of it, but don't who just need to take better care of themselves? Absolutely. Of course, it's coming from the guy who had high blood pressure from his cheeseburger is going to have for lunch today, but... (laughs) Abdul, you're not you're not in a glass house. I'm right with you. We are all faced with the same thing as aging. And and I think demographically, this is the major concern here for the state of Indiana. We are aging as a population. Now, again, this is not just an Indiana problem. It's the upper Midwest, if you will, and an American problem. But we are aging as a population, number one. We are across all metrics, one of the least healthiest states. Smoking is a major issue, especially in southern Indiana. You have high rates of diabetes. You have obesity issues. Uh, these are all cultural issues. I remember working uh, the Governor Daniels administration. He began a healthy Indiana program, remember? Yep. And this was all about Indiana. we got to change the culture. So I think this is one of them. And I think cigarettes and smoking would be, in the next General Assembly, something that could be front and center that we could tackle right away. Our guest on the program today is our good friend John Ruckelshouse, former state senator, now the head of the State Medical Society. So we're kind of uh, sort of talking about uh, Indiana and health care and uh, costs and the whole nine yards. Um, I know uh, the legislature basically told hospitals, if you don't lower your costs, we will. I, I kind of go back and forth because there's, there's a free market conservative in me. It's like, why, why are we getting in hospital health care costs? But then again, also, we got to do something. <laughs> So what should we do? Right. And I think the legislature got it right this last session. I don't I think at the end of the day, as you were there, you had a front row seat to this. They couldn't figure that out. What was the right thing to do? Now, there's a couple things I'm going to talk about that they did. Number one was in that House Bill 1004, going back to that, they put a lot of reporting mechanisms in. So the hospitals for the next two years, at least, are going to have to produce a lot of granular data that we will know the costing that consumers are paying. So I think we'll have some real-time information on that. Number two, they also were part of Senate Bill 7, which was huge for physicians across the state of Indiana, was to outlaw non-compete clauses for primary care and internal medicine. The original bill that passed the Senate was outlawing all non-competes. Now, why are non-competes a big issue? Non-competes are a big issue because, again, we don't know the exact number, but the vast majority of physicians in the state of Indiana work for hospitals, and they have to sign a non-compete. Well, with IU Health, why that's so important, usually the non-competes say you can't compete if you leave within a 30, 50-mile yeah, radius. They must be reasonable in time, scope, and geography. Remember, employment law. There you go. Very good. As a result of that, IU Health is everywhere. So these physicians had to leave the state of Indiana for a certain period of time. So this law reversed that for primary care, internal medicine. It did impact all other physicians uh, if you lost your job uh, through, well, through uh, workforce issues. And then obviously mediation. And then lastly, here's what's really interesting. It didn't get a lot of press. So if the legislature said, we value private practice physicians. Again, getting out from being tethered by a hospital, being independent so that you can advise your patients to go anywhere, be more competitive, be more consumers of health care. So they enticed physicians with a $20,000 a year tax credit, uh, personal income tax credit for up to three years to go independent. And that begins in July of this year. So we'll see how that works itself out. But the legislature is saying, we understand we're opening the door. 
Uh, is there a doctor shortage in Indiana? There is a, Abdul, you'll enjoy this. There is a physician shortage. There is a nursing shortage. There is a truck driver shortage. The only thing we don't have a shortage in the state lawyers. of Indiana is lawyers. No, <laughs> are people running for office. <laughs> I was going to say lawyers, but <laughs> they were. Because um, I know there was a debate over uh, what doctors could do versus having the nurse practitioners right. maybe sort of step in. What's going on in that that back and forth? Yeah, that's called the scope of practice. Again, this is a national issue. Uh, what that basically means is, and we, we physicians have over 1,600 hours of of training to become a doctor. And then there was what's called the mid-levels, which is the nurse practitioners. Everyone works together very well in the clinic. You probably saw that when you were in the hospital. There's a whole team that works on you, and everybody does a really good job. The question at the end of the day is how much the scope of your practice, to the limit of your ability of training to be able to work. What we're saying as physicians is physicians need to be the leader of this team. That's big part of the team. We need everybody. I always say as an analogy, who do you want to fly the airplane? Do you want the pilot or, or the, do you flight, want the steward? Or the flight attendant. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, because I always kind of wondered um, what what can a nurse practitioner do versus what's the difference between a nurse practitioner and a doctor apart from residency and... Medical school. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's exactly what it is. So there's a bit of national approach for nurse practitioners to be able to, to prescribe, be able to diagnose more. And again, it all comes down to training. It all comes down to patient safety because they only have 500 hours or less of training, and some of that's online. So again, we need to have doctors in charge, a part of the team. John Ruckles has with us for a few more minutes on the program day. John is with the State Medical Society. Uh, getting back to the legislature, uh, a couple things that the legislature did I thought was interesting. Number one, they put together, they funded the, public, the governor's public health commission. Number two, made mental health a priority. Yes, very good. And I think the governor made a very good decision a couple of years ago when he put the commission together with uh, then Secretary of, uh, of Health, uh, Dr. Box, as well as former state Senator Luke Kinley. They traveled the state. They really focused on the infrastructure. What COVID showed around the state of Indiana is a lack of infrastructure. So think about it. There were over 30 counties in the state of Indiana with less than 50,000 in population. They just simply didn't have the property tax base to have a robust or even even any county health office at all. So this last legislative session is funded, and, and the whole thought process is to start slowly and then build from there, but it's working on the infrastructure. What we would ask the General Assembly and this governor now and even future governors is to think about a health commission 2.0. Let's look at now those systemic issues that bring us to the bottom and are cranking and are really driving up those Medicare costs. Uh, how are we doing with uh, opioid abuse in Indiana? Because I haven't heard a lot about that lately. I think there has been somewhat of a little resurgence, if you will. Some of that goes with the economy. Some of that goes, and it was very interesting when I was in the Daniels administration and traveling the state of Indiana, where we saw that really down in uh, the southern part of the state, as a matter of fact, is any time that you had a major economic engine, a plant closure, in which people, part of that community that was part of the fabric, part of their culture, and they, they third, fourth generation, and they just despair would set in. I think that's where you saw a spike in that. So COVID it, I think, kind of helped resurgence of that. Not as bad. I think we're getting our arms around that better. Senate Bill 1, Senator Kreider did yeoman's work on that that last session. I'm sure that's going to be revisited down the road. Um, it's also interesting, too, on the, on the governor's uh, public health commission, 
Uh, it was interesting that some counties were resistant uh, to the health commission because they felt that the state was trying to tell them what to do. It was like, no, the state isn't telling what to do. The state is trying to help you so you can help your people better. That's exactly right. And that's that's the way Hoosiers are wired. And that's actually a good thing to the extent that they, they're very cautious about an expansion of government. And that's that's understandable. But the legislature, again, I think got it right because this is an opt-in program. It comes from the bottom up. It's not top down. Um, got a couple minutes left here. Uh, anything else uh, in the doctor-patient-hospital universe we need to be aware of? Well, I think the biggest thing, again, is let's let's go back to these Medicaid costs. This, again, I think all Hoosiers need to take stock of this. The legislature needs to take stock of this. This is something that we really need to get our arms around because, as we have just seen, if we're already right on the cusp of taking away from education dollars, which what does the legislature fight about at the end of the day every session? Teacher pay. Well, we're not going to be able to pay teachers more. We've got to get healthier. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take all hands on deck. This is not a political issue. So the quicker we realize this and get help, the better off we're going to be. I know us we're getting one question. And this question I always asked by medical uh guests on on the air so what is it what is the state medical society position on, on marijuana oh but i knew that was coming abdul i knew that was coming just as sure as the rain's coming tomorrow night that was coming you know it's very interesting a very split decision on that uh we actually have we have a process we do policy that's very bottom up so any physician could write a resolution we have a convention in september and every year this issue is before the physicians and historically they've been opposed to it the science has not been been there. Now, it's softening just a little bit, to be honest with you, uh, as the age and the demographics are changing within the association as they are in America. A lot of folk are are retiring off, etc. But I would say still very, very cautious. All right. Well, our guest on the program today has been John Ruckelshouse. John is with the State Medical Society, my friend. John, always good to talk to you. Look forward to having you back again real soon. Can't wait. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.